Fair warning, the following episode contains some mature themes and language. If you have any young kids listening, you might want to throw on some headphones. Hi, and welcome to The Backlot. I'm Tova Leiter, moderator and director of the New York Film Academy guest lecture series. In this episode, we will take an in-depth look at one of my great guests and hear about her experience in the entertainment industry. And now, Eric Conner will take you through the highlights of this Q&A. Hi, I'm Eric Conner, senior instructor at New York Film Academy. This episode, we bring you Aubrey Plaza, who played the sardonic April Ludgate on Parks and Recreation for seven seasons. And yet, she still found time to appear in over 50 different films, TV shows, and web series over the past decade. I gave my gay boyfriend's boyfriend a hickey and it totally made my gay boyfriend jealous. I don't want you scaring off the coolest girl at my party, Scott. We all know you're a total lady killer wannabe jerky jerk. You're like no nonsense. Well, there's no sense in nonsense, especially when the heat's hot. Are you the kind of doctor who gets hooked on his own drugs? I bet you are. You ever face certain death? If it was so certain, I wouldn't be here, would I? Is there anywhere you don't work? They're called jobs, something a ball like you wouldn't know anything about. You ever found a dead body in the trash? Or body parts? Like a torso or a head? Please say head. I think you should lose the first line and the last line and all of the other lines and instead just walk up to the mic and meow really loudly for eight minutes. Before she was known for her work in front of the camera, Aubrey Plaza spent a great deal of time behind the camera, including studying here at New York Film Academy. I did the uh, New York Film Academy summer session in 2001. I was a film student, and I think the program was at Universal. I really have to honestly say that that experience was, I went on to go to NYU film school. I got into Tisch after that, and um, I used my NYFA movie to get into Tisch. That was very helpful, so that was something I got out of it. And honestly, like, my freshman curriculum at NYU, like, I feel like I learned more in this program than I did there because it was more hands-on and I believe with filmmaking especially like it's like you have to do it and you have to just be like thrown into it and and that's how you learn and like sitting and like critiquing movies is is one way of learning about movies but um, I learned a lot more doing what you guys are doing. Miss Plaza began acting in community theater at an early age. It was at this time she learned that even though Cinderella might get the prince, it's the stepsister who has the most fun. I remember when I was like 11 or 12, I auditioned for Cinderella at the community theater and I really wanted to play Cinderella and they gave me the part of the ugly stepsister. <laughs> and um, I was kind of devastated, but then I had like this one musical number that was like the big comedy number of the show. And I remember, like, once I got on stage and started doing it, I thought, like, oh, it's actually really fun to make people laugh. So, and I don't know, I just grew up, I was really, like I said, into into sketch comedy Saturday Night Live, and then I got really into, like, improv in high school, and I was really obsessed with, like, watching different sketch groups, like um, Kids in the Hall and Mr. Show and The State, and that was, like, kind of my thing. I really liked all that stuff. So I always knew that I wanted to go to New York and study at the UCB mm-hmm. theater. But yeah, I know now. And I, I was always, you know, like, just like a weird person. 
Like many comedic actresses, Miss Plaza has extensive training in improvisation, including at UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade. However, even after all these years, she still finds herself intimidated by the form. I still suck at improv. I really do. Improv, long form improv is so hard and I still get asked to do shows at um, UCB and like sometimes I, I lie and I say I'm busy because I'm so scared, still. Yeah. Um, but I make myself do it because it's so good for your brain to like get on stage and just make stuff up in front of people. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I learned from really good people. She found that her training in improvisation also enriched her dramatic work. If you're not familiar with UCB, the thing that stands out with training at UCB is that they focus on finding the truth, you know, in every scene. Like when you're doing a scene there, it's not about trying to make jokes and being funny. Like you're not supposed to try to be funny because people that try to be funny never are funny. <laughs> but people that commit to their characters like 200% and are just being really, really truthful and reactive are always the funniest. So I think that applies with drama too. And nowadays, improv, I feel like everything that I go out for or like things that I work on, they almost expect you to improvise drama too. So I think it's really good training for both, for sure. Her time at UCB came in especially handy when working with one of the godmothers of modern improv, Amy Poehler. Being on Parks was a really big learning experience, too, because I got to work with Amy, who literally started the theater. Mm -hmm. So when I was in college, I interned at SNL. Amy was, she was in the cast when I worked there, but I worked in the design office, and I was just, like, in the shadows, lurking, and I didn't, like, talk to anyone. You know, I was, like, an intern. I wasn't, like, talking to anybody in the cast. So, no, I didn't know her. I met her... Um, day one, they had us do these like Olympic promos for the Olympics before we even shot the show. And I showed up and that's when I met her. They put us together on a swing set and, and we just started playing our characters. What do kids like more than a playground? Candy. No, no, nothing is better for kids than a playground. And you know how I know? I know because I am a Virgin. expert at playgrounds. She's worked with many of her favorite performers, but only one of them consistently made her break character. I have a pretty good poker face, so I can keep it together. The hardest person I've ever had to work with that would make me laugh is Fred Armisen. Um, hands down, I cannot keep a straight face around him, and when I did Portlandia, I couldn't say my line for like 45 minutes, I couldn't do it. We have classes here. Abby D's queer question, why don't you take that? I have pole dancing class that day. Excuse me? You have pole dancing? Class? Pole dancing? Exercise? We're about to freak out right now. We're about two seconds away from jumping up on this table and kicking everything in sight, which by the way is our own property. So I guess I'll just go somewhere else. No, no, no. Let's find these books for you. And I end up having to um, pinch myself so hard that I started bleeding. And so, um, I learned to just hurt myself. <laughs> like, that's the only way that I cannot laugh, is if I physically hurt myself. <laughs> yeah. Despite working with some of Hollywood's biggest names, she still occasionally finds herself starstruck. 
Yeah, it is weird to work on things with like such famous people, but I don't know, there's like always like a couple people that I'll get nervous around that surprise me. Like one time I met Jeff Goldblum, and I don't know why that made me really nervous. Um, <laughs> um, oh God, I don't know. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I get nervous. I'm nervous now. <laughs> For Miss Plaza, a small role on a small web series led to so many big things. As an actor, there's so many different ways to get in mm -hmm. and everyone has a different story. There's no, that's why it's so hard to be an actor. There's no set thing that you can do. Um, but I can kind of pinpoint what happened to me because I was training at UCB and it was right around the time when um, internet videos and like web series and all that stuff started. Like that was becoming a thing. Now yeah. it's like, you know, that's yeah. all it is. But at that time it was like sketch groups were like just starting to like put out videos. Yeah. And I got asked to be in a web series called The Genie Tate Show which was written and directed by um, Maggie Carey, who is Bill Hader's wife. And it was about a soccer mom who is running a talk show from her minivan while she's <laughs> running errands. It's the Genie Tate Show! She cast so me as like her delinquent um, teenage daughter who's like always in and out of rehab and I would harass all of the guests <laughs> that would come on and stuff. Genie stepdaughter, Tina Tate! Oh, this is my chemically dependent teenage stepdaughter. I have a name. And so does your illness. Dr. Gustavo says we have to label our problems before we can solve them. If I label you queen of the lamos, can you solve that? Tina! What? Zip it! What? Shut your mouth hole! Don't look at me! Keep it, keep it shut! What? And then, That's the last um, time I'm gonna tell you. then went on to direct this movie I was in called The To-Do List. Mm -hmm. She wrote and directed that, but this was back when I was like, I think I was like 19, 20, ish and I was in one of her improv classes Maggie and I from that some agent saw it because there were other people like on SNL in it mm -hmm. and um, they noticed me and made contact with me and then I just was like harassing that person sending them emails sending them links to you know invitations to shows or whatever and then a while later that agent who wasn't working with me who was just like being nice to me was like Judd Apatow is having this, you know, wide casting search for his movie. He's trying to find a stand-up comedian to play this part. You should put yourself on tape for it. So I did that. You know, I was really lucky to be in the right time and mm -hmm. the right mm -hmm. place. And I wasn't a stand-up comedian at the time. I was just doing, like, live shows and stuff. But he really liked my tape. And then they told me, like, well, we can't hire you because we have to hire a stand-up because they have to write their own jokes and there's going to be a lot of live shows and stuff in the movie. So then I just started doing stand-up and, like, taping myself and just pretending I was a stand-up comedian and then sending those tapes. And then I did it so much that he finally was like, okay, I'll bring you in to read with Seth Rogen. It was mostly, like, just really, you know, like, small, small shows yeah. in, like, Queens or in yeah. a bar, you know, yeah, like, yeah. just really little things. And yeah. I would just have my friend tape them, and they were really unofficial. And I did it, and then I they cast me in the part, and then Judd called me and was like, you got the part. In two weeks, you're going to come to L.A., and we're going to do, like, two months of shows just to in pre-production, and then we'll start shooting the movie. So I came to L.A., and, like, literally, like, the fourth or fifth time I ever did stand-up, I followed Adam Sandler 
and he made me do it. He was like torturing me, and um, he just made me get up there. So I, yeah, I kept doing it for the movie. Um, and then after we shot the movie, I still kept doing it, but I haven't done it in a long time. And every time I did it, I always like wanted to run away, and I always had a meltdown backstage and was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. This is the worst. This is a nightmare. The reason I bring up the Jeannie Tate show is because that day that I did that show, like, I actually had a thing in my head where I was like, I don't want to wake up on Saturday at, like, 6 in the morning and go to Hoboken. Like, I'd want to sleep in and, like, not do that. But I just did it. And if I hadn't done that, I really don't think that I would have ended up getting funny people because mm -hmm. I can see how all that stuff led mm -hmm. to it. And I feel like I learned from UCB to always have, like, a you know, their mission is yes and. You say yes and then you add mm -hmm. to it. And that's kind of like how I try to like approach life and just, it's true. The more you say yes and the more stuff you do, you just never know yeah. who's gonna connect you to who or what, you know, what's gonna happen. Ms. Plaza feels that it was her diligence, even more so than her talent, that enabled her to break into the industry. I literally went from nothing to being in Funny People, which making that jump is crazy. That just doesn't happen ever. But um, I just wanted it so bad. I believed that it would happen mm -hmm. too. You know, you have to be delusional. You have to really, I grew up in Delaware. I didn't grow up around any, you know, Hollywood people. I, I was just like, you know, watching like you guys just, watching stuff on TV, watching movies, and just like thinking like, that's what I want to do. And so I just believed it really strongly. And then I wouldn't back down. I would really harass people, you know? Um, I would, not in a bad way, but like the agent that I was saying that saw me in the web series, like instead of not pursuing her, I would just be really diligent about just sending her anything, right. you know? And I would just try to meet as many people as I can. And I think, I always was myself. I think that's one thing as actors that people forget early on is that the reason Judd hired me in Funny People, I mean, he really hired me because of my personality. Um, I was playing a character. A lot of people didn't know that at the time, like, because it was really close to what I, you know, like the, my humor and what I was doing on stage and stuff. So it was because of my unique personality that he was like I want that personality in my movie you know so I did I wasn't trying to be someone else at that time which I think is helpful and I think people forget in auditions you know when you're auditioning and stuff like you just have to be yourself and be individual and like believe in that because people will respond to that if you try to be someone else then there's a million people doing that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing that I was always just being true to like my own sense of humor and what the kinds of things that I was interested in. Despite growing up 3,000 miles from Hollywood, Miss Plaza fully believed she would find her place in the entertainment industry. When I was in high school, I took um, some acting classes in Philadelphia because I grew up like 25 minutes outside of Philly and I had an acting teacher who was a professor at the University of the Arts and she told me she was someone that helped me a lot with acting and um, she's a very important person for me you know when I was like your age and she told me something really early on where she was like 
if you want to be an actor, you don't have to study theater necessarily. I mean, you can, cause, which I also did. I took many theater classes, but she kind of told me, like, you could also major in film and learn other skills and then also act at night or whatever. So I kind of just decided that I wanted to go to New York. And in school, I wanted to study film production so that I could learn cameras and do writing and stuff, but that I would always keep doing the acting thing on the side. So I don't know. I just like tried to do both because I always knew I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. I And I don't think anyone does as an actor. You just kind of like do as much stuff as you can and then you just see what happens. I didn't have a plan. I was just like going to New York, just hustling, you know? <laughs> I, I really, really hustled. I, that's all I can say. I just tried to do as much stuff as I could. Even when she hit a rough patch early in her career, Ms. Plaza refused to consider a backup plan. Even though it did happen really fast for me and I was young, I had a stretch of time in New York where I wasn't acting and I had graduated and I was broke and I was living in Queens and I was waiting tables and even though mine was small, I had it. So yeah, during that time I was always questioning what I was doing and you know my family was very supportive but they were always telling me like you gotta have a backup plan you gotta have a backup plan what's your backup plan and I would always quote Rosie O'Donnell because I was really Rosie O'Donnell was another big person for me when I was in high school I read her autobiography Rosie and um, <laughs> in her autobiography she like has this whole thing where it's like she says if you have a net you will fall into it. Mm -hmm. So don't have a net, because you'll end up being a dentist or whatever your backup plan is. So I just always had that in my mind. And so whenever I was doubting myself, I'd always be like, no, like I'm just, this is the only thing that can happen, so it's gonna happen, which is crazy. So you have to be a crazy person. All this paid off with possibly the greatest single week of any actor's life. It's interesting, like, when I got cast in Funny People, Scott Pilgrim, and Parks and Recreation, I got all of those jobs in one week. Wow. One week, which is like insane, and that doesn't happen to anyone, which is why, again, I was in like the right place at the right time. I don't know how it happened, it just happened. All of those characters were kind of similar, and I think Parks especially, because I drew on so much of my personality, and they basically wrote that part for me, it wasn't in the original idea of the show. They wrote it based on a meeting that I had with their creators. So April Ludgate is me, you know, it's not me, but it is me. And yes, because of that, you're put in a box and people don't believe that you can do anything else. But I try all the time to play different characters. This year I have two movies that are gonna come out where I play really different characters, like not sarcastic or whatever, you know, but I had to really fight for them really hard. And um, hopefully those things will show people that I can do other things. But it's something that I'm always fighting against, but I welcome it. I used to get really like annoyed when people would be like, you're always doing the same thing. And I'd always be like, well, those are the parts that people are giving me. I can't control anything. I'm auditioning, you know, if, like someone offers you a part. As an actor, you're like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do anything. Like, I'm just trying to work. So, you know, you only have so much control. So um, it's hard, but you just got to, like, keep hustling. Despite Hollywood's attempt to typecast her as the queen of sarcasm, 
Miss Plaza continues to expand her repertoire of characters, jumping from TV to film and back again. I think the biggest difference between, I mean, being on a web series, that to me is like television. Those kind of things feel the same a little bit to me, but it depends on what kind of web series you're in, I think, because some of those also feel like movies, so I don't know about that, but the biggest difference between TV and movies for me is like the pacing is so different um, because when you're working on a film as you know there's so much time that goes into like lighting a shot and you're just like waiting for your moment and for me the hardest thing on set in a movie is to conserve my energy because if you know like you've got this like monologue to deliver or whatever and they're like setting it up for an hour you know, like maybe you feel ready to do it now, but then in an hour you're like, I just ate like four cookies and I'm like crying. For, I don't know how this happened. And then and then you're supposed to do it then. So like the it's like, yeah, it's like a weird film is so weird like that. It's like you really have to be able to just like bring it when the moment is there and when the film is rolling, especially if it's film, because you can't waste film. And so it's like intense because you're just like I gotta like deliver now all these people and then in television it's like you can do it a million times over and over again like on parks like there's so many outtakes of like especially Aziz Aziz was like the king of this where he would just reset himself over and over again and in movies you can't really go like let me take that again and then you do it again let me take you know but like we would just reset ourselves like we were like robots because there was no lighting setups, at least when we shot our thing. It was just like, we had three cameras. Also, the amount of cameras is a thing. Like on television, you have multiple cameras, so like you're able to just kind of like do whatever. But in movies, you're like always, like you've got to be on your mark and you've got to know exactly like where the light is hitting you. There's just like things like that that affect you, you know, that you have to like figure out how to not think about when you're working. I don't know. Before he directed the Velociraptors in Jurassic World, Colin Trevorrow directed Miss Plaza in the low-budget indie film Safety Not Guaranteed. Do you sell guns here? Something sexy and affordable with killing power? What exactly is the intended use? Well, if your ad had been written properly, I may have a better idea of what I need. I hope you worked harder on your calibrations. My calibrations are flipping pinpoint, okay? Mm. You ever face certain death? If it was so certain, I wouldn't be here, would I? You come to that launch site, you take my hand, and I'll show you who can't time travel. That movie was the first movie I was ever really like the lead in, so it was a really scary experience for me, and I was definitely worried at every step. I was like so worried about it, because I'd never really had to take a character from the beginning to the end and have like a transformation, you know? But Colin was great, and I think that's why he ended up being plucked out of indie zone and taken into the Spielberg land, because he's so interested in the acting process and in really like having those discussions about characters, how they're feeling in every moment, why they're doing what they're doing. And not all directors are like that, especially first-time directors, I find, because first-time directors are so preoccupied with everything that's going on. It's so crazy to be a director for a film. You have eight departments that you're 
running and it's hard to remember that really when all is said and done and people are sitting in the theaters and they're watching the movie all they're going to see is the performances and so much goes into making a movie but I think one quality in a director that I really like is when directors are really able to take a step back from all of the chaos and then look an actor in the face and go like let's talk about what the truth of what is happening right now is and that's something that Colin and I always did. That's why I really liked working with him. And I think that's why he's who he is now. Miss Plaza also has fond memories of working with Chris Pratt, who played her goofy husband Andy on Parks and Recreation, long before he went on to save Jurassic World and guard the galaxy. Uh, I got my ankles microwaved. X-rayed. They took my blood away to use for science. Cholesterol tests. April had her sinuses removed. Looked at. Some guy looked at my wiener. Touched it. That was weird. And that guy wasn't even a doctor. That... What? Pratt is, like, the most fun guy ever. He's like Andy, except he's smart. He's a very special guy. <laughs> and, and he's a really good actor and comedian. So I loved working with him. Because also on TV, sometimes you feel really robotic. Because you're just doing so many episodes. And you can't help but feel like, oh, I've said this before I'm doing the same thing, I'm whatever, in every scene, it's like the same. But with Chris, it was never the same. I got it, I got it! <gasps> nice! Oh yeah, I also got some dude's briefcase. <laughs> I believed in you, buddy. <laughs> but you should put that back. Yeah. You shattered, you shattered it. Not only did you hit the well, lights, Well, that's a wrap. You shattered it. That's not something that props can fix. That's gonna be a little harder to fix. Sorry. I'm out! He was always really interested in finding new discoveries and surprising me with like different things, you know? He's like a really special dude. That's why he's like, the most famous person in the world right now. <laughs> when dealing with the publicity that comes with her fame, Miss Plaza approaches it like she's portraying another character. The publicity, media, all that stuff is not something I ever thought about when I was trying to be an actor. You don't think like, oh, like, what's that part of it gonna be like, going on talk shows and doing stuff like that? Um, it's been a journey for me to figure out how to deal with that stuff. I can say that when I do like publicity, when I'm promoting like a movie or something and I have to go on talk show, I don't have to do any of it, first of all. No one does, it's not, I mean, maybe some people have to. All right, you're right. <laughs> well, I don't have to, real, right, yeah, I have to do some of it, but, so I try to just have fun with it because I think that one thing about the publicity stuff is, for me, is like once people start taking themselves too seriously and letting all of the fame and that stuff, you know, like believing the hype about, you know, I think it starts messing with people's minds. Not everyone is capable of handling fame and those kind of things. So it's tricky because, you know, it's like weird to have a lot of people know who you are. So. I try to, in those situations, I try to just always have fun and try to approach it from like, what would my high school version of myself think about me going on like Letterman right now? I'd probably be like, that's crazy. Wear a hot dog costume, do something weird. Um, it doesn't always work out for me because people, you know, it's hard to like be 
a version of yourself or whatever on those kind of things. But I just try to have fun and have truthful moments happen and not do anything too stupid. But I fail at that too, sometimes. Even after all her success, Miss Plaza still has one role that she's dying to play. Okay, I really want to be Catwoman. It's like so bad. Um, I don't know. I do really want to remake Catwoman, like the Halle Berry movie. Because I think I could make it really weird and like funny, like Guardians of the Galaxy funny, but still like badass. That's what I really want to do. I would do any franchise. A big thank you to Aubrey Plaza, and thanks to all of you for listening. This episode was written by me, Eric Connor, based on the guest speaker series produced and moderated by Tova Leiter. The episode was edited and mixed by Christian Hayden, produced by David Andrew Nelson, Christian Hayden, and myself. Executive produced by Jean Sherlock, Dan Mackler, and Tova Leiter. Associate produced by Vinny Sisson. A special thanks to Ann Moore for co-moderating and to Robert Cosnahan, Saja Johnson, and the staff and crew who made this possible. To learn more about our programs, check us out at nyfa.edu. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. See you next time. Secrets stolen from deep inside. You know the song already? Of course I do. Everyone knows the song. It's amazing. The drum beats out of time. If, if you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. If, if you, you fall, I will catch you. I'll be, I will be waiting. waiting. Time after time. Time after time. Time after time. Time after time. It's never happened.